So, Michael, how's it going? Um, good, good. You know, it's it's um. Here, hold on. I click. Got it. Um, I'm doing well. I uh, yeah. I'm just. It's it's one of those things. Releasing a movie on a streaming service during a pandemic, you you know, there's a little bit of a disconnect between this thing that I've spent you know whatever years and years of my life on. Yeah. And then now, it's just like it's it's there, and you yeah. can't like. You like seeing honestly, it's like seeing tweet threads like yours, yeah, helps me. Like, I'm there's a world in which it some it sometimes feels like I didn't even make it, you know, like I know it's just like it's release day, everybody, and then it's like, okay, how, where, yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. There's no really okay, (laughs) great, right, right. And so then when I, when I, yeah, when I saw your tweet thread, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I did make this movie and here's a person enjoying it. And, and, and this is, okay, this actually happened. This wasn't like this weird delusion that I had, you know, so. Well, and you got that, you were, you did the Q&A and the first screening for it at the Los Feliz 3. I think that was through American Cinematheque. Yes. Here in LA. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you got to see it on a theater and, like, interact with an audience for that. I hope that, like, helped cement its tangible reality in your mind. Yes, it did. It did. And I just hope, you know, like, I I, I feel like potentially maybe, maybe, you know, while that might be the last time it screens theatrically, I'm hoping that maybe... I don't know. Maybe there's a midnight screening of it that happens somewhere, you know. In, I mean, in years I don't know who I have to query for this, but I personally want to be an ambassador of midnight <laughs> screenings for the voyeurs. Awesome. Like, who do do I reach out to? Amazon? Do I reach out to the <laughs> Cinematheque? Like, what do I do to become oh like a God. master of ceremonies <laughs> of a of a midnight madness featuring the voyeurs? Oh my God! I mean, it is just I I like went. How long had you wanted to make a movie like this? And what was sort of like the impetus of wanting to make a movie like this? Because I feel like it's something we all want to see. But like we were talking about, it's it's like, how do I do this now in 2020-ish? Yeah. You know, obviously you didn't start working on it this year. No. You know. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and like, you know, what is the process of seeing a movie a, an erotic thriller from its inception to its execution at this time when we haven't proven consistently that we know how to handle this genre in the present with the way we think of and approach like bodies and equity and women and, and sex on screen now. Like yeah. how, how is that walkthrough? Yeah. So um, first of all, wait, are you wearing a Howard the Duck shirt? I am wearing a Howard the Duck shirt. That is, I want that. That is awesome. <laughs> wow. Okay, Howard the sorry. Duck shirt at Studio House Designs, everyone. Okay. If they have more, <laughs> I'm wearing a red long sleeve tee of Howard the Duck. I highly recommend I literally just, the Howard the Duck Nation turnout. I just saw like the ARD and I knew that font. <laughs> and I was like, is you that? Do. Yeah. Um, so how do we do it? So, uh, oh boy. Okay. I'll, I can start. So prior, so my career path is something that doesn't have a very, it's not like, um, you know, it's, it's not like as, uh, as neat and clean as Wes Anderson, where he goes from sure. Bottle Rocket to Rushmore to Royal Tenenbaums. For me, it's been like the family yeah. circus. Bottle Rocket to every release goes to Criterion somehow. Right, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, sure. whereas like mine is more like a family circus cartoon where like I had to go <laughs> yeah. through the backyard of the neighbor in order to get to the front door of my house. And so, yeah. um, but I had made, I had made some sort of erotic short films that did really mm. well in the festival circuit. I did, there's one called XX back in uh, 2011. And then I did one called, um, I 
directed one called Pink Grapefruit um, back in 2015, which um, mm-hmm. which did really well. Like we won South by Southwest with it, which was mm-hmm. um, and and with that film, we I was trying to like just inject a little level of suspense into mm-hmm. into a very basic erotic story, which is with that with that short film was about two. Uh, it was about this like sort of married couple who bring two of their single friends out to Palm Springs for a long weekend in the hopes that they'll hook up. And we right, shot okay. it like a thriller. So like the tension that the characters feel was like underlined in the style. Right. Mm-hmm. And when it the fact that it did so well made me think like, OK, I'm on to something here. What what's the next evolution of this? And it yeah. wasn't really until then that I that I like I knew about erotic thrillers like I knew they existed I had seen like crash and color of night when I was a kid okay. and like turned yeah. 17 and could rent r-rated movies from the video store totally but I had never like dove in and mm-hmm. so oh oh my god what a dive yeah oh, I- <laughs> oh and I watched I'm so happy that you went on an erotic thriller dive I oh. hope you had a great time with Linda Fiorentino I will send Goddess. you I'll send you this book that I made because I was I kept copious notes Oh, and I made awesome. a full color. I made a full color uh, book that's like a hundred pages. That's like ev- all of my thoughts after after watching each one. Like it's it's wow. very it's very in depth. It's like way more in depth than, than like letterboxed. And so, <laughs> yeah. but I as I was devouring these, I, I sort of the idea for the voyeurs had been already bubbling up, and then the mm-hmm. idea of like okay, well, is it an erotic thriller? And and yeah. and 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 just really falling in love with this genre because I'm like, yeah. this is exactly like, cause I love, I have this, I have a real reverence for genre films, even though I never really made a genre film. Okay. I don't, I, I didn't consider myself, never say never, but I hadn't considered myself like a horror sure. person, but I loved tension. I love tension, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was already sort of making films that had sex in them in this sort of, uh, I don't know, with a balance of trying to be raw, but also trying to be beautiful. You right. Know? Yeah. And so, and I just was like, this is, and, and then I was like, where did these movies go? Like, why did people stop yep. making them? Which is, <clears throat> I get asked that question all the time. And I literally don't know because, you know, to, to, you know, for me, I think like the last proper erotic thriller was unfaithful right mm, mm-hmm. and that made like a ton of money and was nominated for oscars so it doesn't i remember and that i remember that movie so distinctly because we watched that at my friend my high school friend it was junior year for me senior year for her amazing group of us were watching that in sheena's families like <laughs> they they had like this beautiful there was like a tiny little hill yeah at the end of a cul-de-sac at, a, at the end of a cul-de-sac in a little neighborhood in my town and they lived in like the house on the hill and they had a spare room that was above the garage that was just a fucking apartment oh yeah apartment. yeah yeah so it was like that's where we'd all hang out Amazing. so we're all watching this movie and sheena's dad walks in at like when it's just full tilt full tilt erotic thriller and sheena just has such a wonderfully sort of absent presence of mind generally she's like daddy come watch the movie and he just comes and he sits down for a minute and he was like Sheena, I'm not watching this. And he just gets up and leaves. Because she said it, and we were all like, oh, we all froze. And she's just like, oh, hi, Dad. And he's, thank God. Yeah. It's like, I'm not watching this, Sheen, and walks out of the room. <laughs> and that, like, that was, and, like, I had I had watched erotic throws up to it. That was me in high school watching that. I had watched those kinds of movies up to that point, but that was, I think that was the movie that triggered the strongest sense of transgressiveness. 
of this genre in that most acute way that like that is that is an erotic thriller that like I have like a borderline embarrassing story about because that's that's the potency of these kinds right, of movies right when they are really done well like yeah. you said oscar nominated yeah, film yeah yeah i mean i i, I look at it as that they're they're highbrow lowbrow entertainment you know yeah at its best and i mean and that is one of the best you know it yeah. for sure is and and i think all of the all of the sex in that movie is so necessary and each scene has a different emotional color to it mm-hmm. that makes it necessary and 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 the subtext between the two characters but like their story happening as the sex is unfolding and i think that that's that's what you know yeah that's what i was aspiring to do with this you know right. mm-hmm. and so and so i had this idea for for this movie and i didn't you know i I had been I had been working on it and it was only after a matter of time where I was like I'm just going to start calling it an erotic thriller. I'm going to like okay, in my yeah. mind this is an erotic thriller and as I was working on it I was trying to figure out, you know, for this one I was trying to figure out the balance of like how how nefarious I can make these characters and how um how far I can push it, you know? Yeah. And I'll say there are a lot of people who would read the script and who would go like it needs to end on this page instead of you can't keep going. And I was like, <laughs> I know that that there's a version of this where that's done. And it's another it's just me making another indie movie. Yeah, it's another. Mo- yeah, it's yeah. another it's another movie. Yeah. But if I really want to try to bring back this genre, I want people to talk about it. I want people to like. And, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and and the way you... and considering we are sitting here because yeah. I had a fucking meltdown while right. I was watching it that I so much so that by I by the couldn't... way thank you so much for for doing this um, oh my god absolutely seeing... it is yeah absolutely but my pleasure seeing your tweet thread was like the highlight of my week like it really was oh thank that... was, I'm so it... glad to hear that well it was just like you are who we made this movie for like clearly you know I, I it was the first um, time I was watching it was like I can't just not like yeah. y- you know there's some movies you don't want to tweet through because it's like oh it's my first watch but there's some it's like no nah, I can't I gotta and it's like I got I've got to talk about this yeah. nobody's talked to me yeah. about this I have to yeah. tell people yeah yeah and the end well also not telling them anything <laughs> yeah exactly but like the ending like the very 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 ending I yeah. knew so everything I had to work I had to work backwards to make yeah. that happen and I knew that if I didn't make the the last minute of the movie mm-hmm. happen no one would be talking about it and so so did the last minute come first it did was the last minute come first because so, this is what I wonder I was like okay did we have did we have to work backwards to get here in the process of doing it or was it like you're going you're going you're like okay now I've got an idea for how I'm gonna wrap this um up. okay so oh boy I feel like the only way I can talk about this is to go into spoilers. Okay, we can, but yeah, screaming we, heavy spoilers, yeah, screaming heavy spoilers. Go, go watch the movie. Go watch the movie, guys. Or y'all. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm trying go, to not go, say take guys Take a break. <laughs> y'all, get out there yeah. and watch this movie. Um, uh, and so, uh, so okay, so I, I, I knew I had, like, the, the initial twist of, yeah. okay, they're watching them. You know, the main couple is watching this couple across the way. Mm-hmm. I knew that the death of Julia was going to be something that would solidify you into mm-hmm. into believing that there was that the twists that come are not possible you know right. especially playing it as dramatic as we do you know like so yeah. when she dies you're like oh she is a dead person 
yeah. our couple is having this reaction. There's no doubt, right? Uh-huh. And then when Thomas dies, um, or dies in quotes. Yeah, in quotes. In my mind, like, people have reacted to that differently. Um, you know, with that one, we still, the movie itself is treating it like it happened. Yeah. But I know in the back of my mind, I'm hoping that some of the audience members are going, you know, I don't, I mean, I guess, I guess I'll go along with this, but there's something about this that doesn't seem quite right. And I would, I would like to think I was, I was kind of like the prime target for that because I was like, this is, this is super out of character for right. what I believe of this person. But at the same time, this movie has raised the stakes such that this is in the language of this movie possible. Possible, like, right. It's possible that we've gone this far because I totally know the movie would go this far. Even if I don't believe Thomas Justice Smith's character was like willing and capable of doing exactly. this. So I was like, all right, okay. I guess. I guess. Fuck. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. Fuck. That's that's <laughs> like, the right. That's the right reaction. And it makes it so grim when you accept the. I guess. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh God, this is dark. Yeah, and we did have another. We had like a red herring woven through that we cut out of the movie where he was like he referred to his anxiety disorder and the fact that mm-hmm. he was taking pills and then when he left after Julia dies he like mm-hmm. there was a moment where where Sydney's character sees that he left his pills. Right. Mm-hmm. But it felt wrong to me to use mental illness, like a vague reference to mental illness as a red herring. I'm really glad. I'm really glad you did that because that is a gross thing to do. Yeah. And I'm what I because like he would have like where I, he would where his character would lose me a little along the way. Not like because like the character didn't feel true, but just like fuck you guy was when he would get really like, am I not enough for you? Am I not enough for you? And right. It's like, OK, there two things can be true, Thomas. She can be falling down the rabbit hole on this way too far. And you can also be projecting a lot of insecurity that has absolutely nothing to do with her. So you need to like sort this out in therapy and love yourself and get it back together. <laughs> but like the, the insistence kind of over and over again of. I want to feel like I'm enough for you. You are. Right. I was like, okay, so there could be a pathology to this person it, when I'm when I'm in my okay, I guess right. where we didn't unpack that version of him, but it was hinted at me and hinted towards this it, toward a, a he is coping kind of situation enough to where I was like, okay, like I feel like I at least would be given breadcrumbs in a right. way that was like, okay, so when I was hating him for like narcissistically centering himself. He was going through it. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And, and so A plus B equals C. Here we are. But it's yeah. still, but it's still 10% fishy. Oh. Right? Y- oh, absolutely. And so. St- and, minimum 10% crazy. And so, and so when you're watching the movie from that point on, I knew, I was hoping, like, I needed to take a second. Um, so after that, um, we actually at there's this montage where she's going through grief. It's like all these yeah. center punch shots of her um, with this music playing underneath. And we actually had to add the scene afterwards. That was a reshoot because immediately, Mm. like when she puts on her makeup and leaves, she went to the art show. And that montage that we shot, um, I thought it was going to be two minutes long and it was like 30 seconds. And so we (laughs) didn't actually get to like wallow in her grief. Right. And before she was like off going after, you know, Seb again. So we yeah. added the scene with the friend that sort of just slows down the movie because everything's going to be super rocket paced from that moment forward yeah. and a way for her to say, like, I can't believe that happened. I don't believe it happened. And also, I still can't believe I'm I want to see this guy across the way again to see. Yeah. It's OK, so. Yeah. So. um, So then when the when the art show happens, 
like that was that was a seed that I had from the jump from the very beginning if if I were to write like four sentences about the movie that was the fourth sentence okay and, okay and when and then I wow what a thing to know what a yeah, thing to know yeah, and so, that you're gonna try and do right right and then everything <laughs> is working backwards from there and from there I knew that and so a lot of people and so a lot of people thought that I should have just ended the movie right then and there and I think if I had done that uh a, they would have just hated Sydney's character, and B, they would have thought that Thomas dying was so convenient yeah. to what happened, and and so I think that a lot of people are suggesting that they just they don't know what would what the ramifications would be, you know. And I will never vote for less time with Natasha Lou Bordizio. Right, exactly. I will never yes. vote for less time. Oh so the, the movie continues to go on after that, and we get to see um, Natasha's character, Julie. We get to yeah. see her bloom yes. as this villain and I s- was like oh my god femme fatale right right well, we have a femme fatale well, she here. says it in the movie when she's trying mm-hmm. on glasses she even says i guess i am the femme fatale i think you might be like she literally <laughs> says it in the movie you know that's so fun yeah like she says it um yeah and so uh, yeah, so so in that sequence that transpires after, we jump forward and we're like in the protagonist, like the third act is from the antagonist's perspective, right? Right, yeah. And I almost wish, I almost wish the movie could be two and a half hours. No, I, I, it, I surely you saw my tweets where, and, and like, and by the end, I was like, can we get the Suspiria cut yeah. of the voyeurs? Yeah. Because I'm ready to go with this now that we've pivoted right. to another hour of experience. I wish, I wish I, you know, there is another world where, I mean, we don't know what this, you know, we'll never know what the success of this movie is for real. Right. We'll, we'll never, never know. know. We, I know that Amazon is very, so very, weird. very happy with their investment. So that's, so that's good. But I'm really if, glad to hear that. If I could have planned it better, I would have made the Thomas death like I don't know. There's a there's a way to have broken this up to make a sequel, but you know, mm-hmm. hindsight 2020. Um, <laughs> or, I imagine like that. I don't remember what the name of the movie was, but it, I think it had James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain, and there were like three versions of it. Where oh, it's like from right. her perspective, the his Eleanor- perspective, and like. Disappearance of yeah. Eleanor Rigby, right? Yeah. 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 Like, I, I would take a disappearance of Eleanor Rigby style, like, and now we're switching point, apartment points of views That's now that you right. know what happened in the other apartment. That's right. I forgot about that movie. Um, so, so, uh, so anyway, so, um, Mm-hmm. So I could have spent like a half hour between the two of them where you're like yeah. unpacking, okay, for Seb, what's <laughs> yeah. it like to be married to a murderer? For her, yeah. what's it like to be married to a guy who thinks you're – who who is not on the same page about you being a murderer. And yeah. then like the cat and mouse between like, is Seb going to kill Julia? And then the. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Are, what is their threat level to each other exactly. now? Because clearly this is not sustainable. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then the printer goes off and then diverts them, you know, which I think would have yeah. been great, but I didn't have the money or time to do that. <laughs> um, and so, and so all, so the decision to make her a murderer yeah. What was all stemming from like the architecture of needing needing Sydney's character to perform the biggest act of poetic justice. Yeah. And so if they weren't murderers, she could not have blinded them. If they weren't no. murderers, murder and I, I want to be even more specific, murderers without proof. He would have never done that. And I don't know for sure, but I think you drugged him. 
and then you made it look like he did it himself. That is a hell of a theory, Pippa. Do you have any proof? No. Then what are we all doing here? Right? Because yeah. there's no proof that exists. She dumped out the, the water. And so... Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, so they had to be murderers in order for her to blind them in order for us to cheer at the end of the movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. There all... has to be proportion. There has to be proportionality yeah. here. And if you watch erotic thrillers... It's more fun when they're murderers. Like it's yep. it's a, it's, it's, it's just f- more it's just more fun. Yeah. I there have you seen Dream Lover, the erotic thriller Dream Lover? No, I need to see that because uh, yeah, Brandon Harris, uh, one yeah, one of our executives brought it up a lot. Yeah, and it's I a horror it. show in this world that made Jen Amick didn't get like fifteen erotic thrillers from like nineteen ninety three to nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, for us to bask in and enjoy now because she is such an ideal like physical and star presence for an erotic thriller but and I won't spoil dream lover for you but what I loved about that is is has like the DNA of what I love about this movie in the way that it at a certain point changes your point of view on everything to where you're like okay now I have to recalibrate and I the perfection does this really well as, as yeah, well. yeah, I think, yeah I think the ideal double feature for me actually from this movie is a, a night with the perfection in the voyage. <laughs> Two think, underrated uh, streamer genre absolute, adjacent. I went yeah. fucking nuts for that movie when I worked yeah. at Vulture. I had a. I, I remember I walked out of there and I was like, that was a great press junket day. I was like, who the fuck says they just had a great press junket? Day? <laughs> like, that's how much I was enjoying talking to each Logan and Richard and, and Allison about yeah. that. But they're like, there's an amazing element of Dream Lover where actually at the halfway point, you're like, wait, I'm supposed to get to this part at the end, but I'm here halfway through. Right. So, now. wait, now what are we doing? Now what are we doing? And so then it it frames your relationship with the James Spader character, the essentially protagonist, in a way that, like, actions keep happening and choices keep being made where, like, you have to really interrogate your relationship with a hero, with an alleged hero. Right. As you watch this thing, and, and Mage and Emic is just being gorgeous and delicious the entire time. And I, that's, I, I loved in this movie when we have to do the same, when suddenly, when it's not just like, all right, bunny boiler, we've got to take out Glenn Close, she's off the fucking reservation. Like when (laughs) there is a break in space and time and suddenly everybody is willing and capable of doing something they never thought was like accessible in their human nature. Well, Julie may have long been aware of what she was capable of as a human being (laughs) and was just like looking for the opportunity to exercise that. But Pippa, Pippa's learning about herself as she goes here. (laughs) And it is that like that. I, I when I was like watching that final shot where it is them looking across the way (laughs) to their new neighbors and like their eyes, like, glazed out like just lasered over i was like this is the level of fucking drama like, this was the only the to me the reason it just works 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 is because you like things have been escalated so much the ending can be nothing short of fucking ridiculous right right it has to be. the only wrong choice would have been a boring choice right right the only wrong choice would be something that like seems like it makes sense like something that is any level below super villainy like because we've gone so far we we yeah. simply cannot turn around at a certain no, point no 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 and 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 also you know it, it just goes back to like what is what is the funnest choice because what is the funnest because choice? i know in my you know like as much as i want 
yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not like these movies don't, <laughs> these movies tend to not get well, they're not well, re- like, uh, uh, right. Unfaithful got like a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, right? Yep. And it's yep. a bona fide classic, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of already write that off to some degree. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, you look at yeah. the movies that really, you look at the movies that really kind of stick around from that era. You look at things like Poison Ivy. Yeah, which you I just saw. You look at things, I, oh, I, yeah. I love a toxic female friendship movie <laughs> so much. You look at, you look at a Poison Ivy, you look at a, a, you know, Basic Instinct and Fatal Attraction are kind of like the two that are held up as like the movies, and there's, the ones that sort of and transcend. And they're so different from each other too, you know, yeah. like they, they, they don't even operate. I, I, I would argue that they operate in, in, in different corners of the subgenre, you oh, know? Oh, completely, completely. For me. And it, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, and I was just going to say, but, like, for me, I think a point, a, a, a delicious point of these movies is that they don't have to be those ones that transcend the sort of beautiful trash classification. Yeah. Like, this is a genre that gets to revel in a 30% critical yeah. score. This is a genre that gets to revel in, like, a, a, a critical consensus that's, like, how dare they? <laughs> like, that's kind of the point. And that the how dare they... Is very much where I live in watching movies. Like, I want to catapult, like, allegedly, ostensibly lowbrow entertainment into a stratosphere of conversation that I just don't feel. Because these movies are so worthy of unpacking and critical regard and, like, dissection. And there's so much material there to find... Like, the secret value, the thing that, like, if you're a weekend warrior and you're just checking in for, like, some sex, and it's like, yeah, it's going to hit those marks. But it's like, what if we go further? Though? Right. There is so much material for us to wade through and and pull so much value from. That's amazing. Yeah, because I feel like horror has had that critical reassessment in the yep. last 10 years. And yep. you get a movie like Get Out, which is so ridiculous, and but is also a classic, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, for uh, 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 yeah, for me, like thinking about those those movies, like I, I think a, a big influence was tonally was Hand That Rocks the Cradle, right? I was going to bring up Hand That Rocks the Cradle because yeah. you have those great. I mean, it, 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 it's a little bit more camp, overtly campy than than ours. Yeah. You know, in, in some regards, like I didn't really impose like the tone of this movie because we were doing something fresh and because mm-hmm. the actors are young. I sort of wanted to listen to the vibe that they were naturally bringing to the film and calibrate the tone based on, based on the circumstances under which we were all brought together, you know? Right. So like to do something that was deliberately a throwbacky hand that rocks the cradle, that's a style of performance that doesn't really exist anymore. And And that you're, you're very, that's actually a really good point. It's a style of performance. Yeah. It's like, it's like watching, it's like watching an old movie and hearing a mid-Atlantic accent. It's a style of speech we don't hear anymore. It is of a place and time. It's a style of performance that is inextricably linked to this like kind of 90s-ish place and time in which these things were made. Absolutely. Because if I were to ask you like, who is the modern day Richard Gere? Right. Who is that? I don't think they're out there. I don't think they're out there because everyone is a lot more present and a lot more sharp and a lot more, you know, off the cuff. Whereas he yeah. was kind of like reserved behind those, you know, beautiful eyes of his, you know. Well, and I, I, I thought about this from the from the female perspective of like, I remember one day on Twitter, I was like, who's the who's the present day Denise Richards? There, like there right. were good suggestions, but there 
there's there's no answer to that. I'm like there's yeah. What do you okay? Do you have a do you have a thought? Uh, well, I think the thing that's tricky about that is that you like you have to get on the same page first about like. I think Denise Richards is fantastic in Wild Things. Her performance oh, was written yep. off. Her performance was written off. She is a good actor in that movie. She holds her own with everybody in that film. In that stretch of of like 95 to 98, every like like Starship Troopers uh, even okay, okay, Tomorrow Never Dies, Christmas Jones. Is Christmas Jones in a like Bond there who is a who is a more who is a more fitting Brosnan '90s Bond comp, like compliment than Denise Richards? And she gets dragged for that performance, but it's like, but you watch it and it's of a piece of the world in which it exists. Like you watch that run there where she was in these really big movies. She was sort of like a star du jour, and even Valentine, I think, in two thousand and one, her yeah. work as Paige in the movie Valentine is actually I think tremendous and is also like a commentary on the exact role that Denise Richards occupies in Hollywood that I think is more savvy than people ever give her credit for. <laughs> and the the answers that people were giving me were very much here's the here's a physical avatar for Denise Richards. And it's like I hear right, what you're saying, but that's right, not what I'm saying. Right. Because I'm not taught like because that's the problem is that we reduce the idea of a Denise of the in the nineties of a Denise Richards down to her physical components when that is a key aspect but it is only a portion of what that that essence and that star presence that Denise Richards had at the time. Like it, it's it's and that's it's, to me that's the erotic thriller. People just it's like the Jennifer's body line. Like Diablo Cody said, everybody wanted to look at Jennifer's tits, and I was trying to show them her heart. People want to look at like the boobs in an erotic thriller movie, and like same. But I also like what is the heart underneath? Right. Because the heart of a movie that is so salacious and extravagant and like red meat. That is an incredible proposition. And it, at times, certainly, you don't find one. But if you do, there is so much merit to the thought and the consideration that goes into making that beating heart. Exactly. And I, well, I wonder if it's also like when you're looking at these movies from the past, because they were often presented with such the male gaze, you yeah. are almost readopting the male gaze as it pertains to that moment in history. Whereas yeah. really now it's like, let's shift that perspective and see like, like going back to Wild Things, it's like, she prepared. She had to sit in a room and figure this out. She had to figure out this character. She had to figure out mm -hmm. her motivation, and she did it. And, she did it. And and but you don't remember that. You remember that she was I don't know in Maxim or something like that. You know. Yeah. You remember you and like of course we do, but it's more than the champagne right. threesome. And I, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I think now it's the fucking courtroom scene. It's it's the pool scene, and not because she's like you know stroking Nev Campbell's lip with her thumb. It's because of that ferocity and that coldness in the in like when she like relents in the face of Nev's vulnerability vulnerability like right. that's actually an incredible character exchange in that scene and yes it's in a pool but like <laughs> yes that's what's in front of us and like you know in the way that women have had to do for the entirety of film like okay now let's headcan in the things that we find because they are shortchanging us in the ways that we see ourselves but at the same time also it can be fun and it can be sexy and it can be bad and it can also be doing something right. Right, right. And and I think in ours, I think the, the, the difference now is that, like, I don't know, I think people are just much more empathetic than they've ever been, you know? Yeah. And I think when you, I think the only way you can enjoy a sex scene in 2021 is if you know that the actors had you know, bulletproof consent and, you yeah. know, and had a voice in how their body was being portrayed. 
you know I absolutely I absolutely want to talk to you about that because one of the like in the perfect with the perfection right. one of the the things I I I felt most rewarded by coming out of that press day was Richard Shepard and the and both of the women talking about how they had they got to be they were like essentially present in the edit bay for like this is the final cut of the sex scene that will go in the film are you comfortable with this and when they were filming it was an utterly closed set and like Logan Browning was saying she's like it was you know and that was what they were comfortable with and like Logan Browning said she's like it wasn't like quote unquote closed set but there's four guys at the monitor who don't need to be there she's like it was me Richard Allison and the DP and that was it right she's like and I won't do anything that is less than satisfactory to me ever again because now I know right. what I'm capable of demanding and I refuse to accept less in terms of my body and how I appear on screen. And so like when 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 things are done, even even sexy, sultry things, sticky, like kind of, you know, maybe is this tasteful, is this tasteless kind of things, when you empower the people making it to do it in the way they feel most comfortable and in and, and most able to embody the role without being compromised, if you do it in that way, you can make incredible work product with everybody getting to be involved. And I wanted to hear about your approach yeah. to this yeah. being, a, like, within 20 minutes, there are three sex scenes in this movie, two of which are happening concurrently. At one <laughs> like, how are you approaching that, knowing that I'm going to let the audience know from go that they can expect this. I'm going to let them know as it goes throughout that I'm not, I'm not actually, I didn't just bait them up front, but I'm never going to deliver again. Like, we're going to, like, this is going to be a movie with sex in it. There's going to be a climax. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, that's going to happen. Like, how are you negotiating that with your, with your actors? Yeah. Like, what is that collaborative process? Yeah. Like? It's, because I hope it's good. Yeah. No, it was, it was it, like, we wanted to do, we wanted to do the same thing on ours. We wanted this to set a new, a new bar, you know, um, okay. with, uh, yeah. And what, what you're saying is exactly true. It's like, if the actors know what the boundaries are and what they can and can't do, they can let go of the nervousness regarding their physical performance and they can focus on yeah. their emotional performance. Um, yeah. So with ours, it started, um, it started back even before I cast the actors where mm. as part of my little, you know, I sent out this packet along with the script that was basically like, Hey, we're making an erotic thriller. If you don't know what those are, this, yeah. this is, this is sort of the genre that, that used to exist, but no longer does. And we're going to bring it back. Yeah. Um, and here's why it's relevant to today. The whole movie is in, you know, people can watch this movie and just have a good time at it, but it's also an allegory for Instagram. Right. Right. And yeah. then, <laughs> and then, um, and then there was a page at the end that was like a picture of salt and pepper, and it said, "Let's talk about sex." Yeah, and, okay. And it, and it basically was like pleading with any actor that I was a- approaching to say, you know, if you are at all nervous about appearing in a movie with simulated mm-hmm. sex, mm-hmm. this movie is not for you. Please don't okay. even let's not engage. It's cool. I get it. It's a personal yeah. decision. That said. Um, if you if you if this is something that you're you're looking to do in your career and yeah. you're you're open to, just know that this is going to be handled with the utmost of professionalism, and we're hiring okay. an intimacy coordinator and yada yada. So okay. from the jump, they knew going in that they were going to have a have a have a have a very strong hand in how how everything was portrayed. So right, and with the I would imagine in the script, uh, you 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 know what's in store. Like I, to I would some imagine, degree, like it, but it's tricky. Like when you read when you read a page of a sex scene, right. you don't know. Like okay, am, are they what are they seeing of my body? How are they? Yeah, this is it? the angle that yeah. it's going to be at. What, yeah, you know, and so 
going into going into prep, you know, some of the actors told me what their concerns were right off the jump, and I tried to okay. make myself like open and available to that. But at the same time, you know, there there's a there's a uh, you know, there's a power dynamic, no matter how much you carry yourself as like, yep. hey, I'm cool, like, let's figure this out together. There mm-hmm. still is a power dynamic that mm-hmm. I may be unaware of where actors want to please directors. And yeah. I didn't yeah. want any of them to step over a line that they themselves were um, uncomfortable, you know, that they, yeah. they looked back and go like, oh, what did I do? Why did I do that? So, yeah. so we had Amanda Blumenthal, our intimacy coordinator, who... Okay. I really wanted to put it in the opening credits, but uh, they didn't let me. I really wanted it to be like right up top. So people are like, oh, intimacy coordinator. These actors were taking yeah. care of. But we ended up giving her like, the, I think she's like the fourth name at the end, you know. Okay. Um, and so what what I did was I created this book, uh, a, a new book, a separate book that basically went into, for, it was individualized to each of the actors mm-hmm. where I went through and it, it's very clinical of like, here are the eight scenes of intimacy your character is okay. involved in. And and by intimacy, I mean like even a scene where they're in their lingerie, you know? Yeah. That's something. And so and then I would say like here's 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 the story reason. Right. Why. So like the spa scene where they're in their robes right. sitting around right. is something that would be in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I would I would go to them and I and, and so in that document it was like, here's Here's what, um, here's why this scene is important to the movie. Mm-hmm. Here's why the sex is important to the movie. Um, and here's, you know, the movies, the, the thing that's very specific to this film is that it's about voyeurism. It's about seeing something yeah. that you're not supposed to be seeing. Yeah, and, it, 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 like, cause, you know, there's the sex aspect of it. And then there is the fact, too, that it is specifically from the point of view of voyeurism. So it, it should feel dangerous exactly it should feel like a stolen exactly. glance it should it should feel definitionally wrong invasive right not consensual right and so with sydney's character especially i wanted i wanted there to be this arc to it so that way when the scene happens with seb later mm-hmm. it's like whoa and yeah. you as the audience it's like this is what i've kind of been wanting to see this whole movie but i right. feel very this... conflicted about it due to the fact the circumstances mm-hmm. between these two people are so fucked up yeah um, yeah and so exactly how I felt. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, exactly how so, I felt. And so to arc that, so so they had this book that was like basically like I took stills from other movies. I took, uh, 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 I made diagrams and things like that. It was very clinical, and I was mm-hmm. basically like, this is the starting point. This okay. is what I think would be the ideal way to capture this. If you're down, but if you're not down, let's talk and let's figure this out. And then yeah. that book was delivered to the actor via the intimacy coordinator. And the intimacy okay. coordinator, the intimacy coordinator and the actor sat down privately to talk it through. Got it. And okay. then, and and I, everything in the it's every time I would suggest something in this document, I said it, it, afterwards it'd be like only if you're comfortable in parentheses, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and but it was like the starting point, the clay on the wheel, and so. Uh, mm-hmm. She then was able to come back to me and said, like, oh, here's here's what I learned about the actors. Like, this, this, you know, she needs to be like this, this part of her body. You know, yeah. very specific things that I cannot say on a podcast. But Of course, yeah. But, completely um, understandable. But then, and then on the day, she's there to to do a number of things. She's there to, you know, just make sure the set is fully closed. She's yep. there to make sure that... Um, that uh you know before every take she walks over and she's like okay now remember no biting 
And uh, okay, <laughs> which hey, is, you can't say it enough. Which can't say it enough. You can't say it enough. But also, like, what a beautiful bit of final direction before you're going into something that's really awkward is just to lighten yeah. things up. Yeah, she's there <laughs> to like immediately give them gum after each take if they want oh. it. You know, yeah. to like okay. freshen their breath. Yeah. Um, and she's also there by the monitor because when I'm looking at it through the monitor and like I never like I was always apart from the actors too. Like I, I didn't mm-hmm. go in to talk to them until they were recovered up. So got it. But okay. like on the monitor, I'm looking at their faces. I'm not looking at the rest of their body. She's mm-hmm. there looking at their crotches to make oh, sure okay. that it looks real. And okay. so there would be there would be times where we'd be shooting something. And I'd be like, oh, that was perfect. And I look over at Amanda and Amanda's like, I could see like the wall behind them between their crotches. So it was really clear that they weren't. They, yeah. And if I angle them th- a little bit this way, can we do another one for me? Just because if I angle them this way, that yeah. we won't see that window between their crotches. And Right. Yeah. 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 And then she's also involved in all the patches and all the like different, you mm-hmm. know, covering up, you know, uh, makeup type stuff that that goes into it as well. Well, that's what you know. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big appreciator of uh, the rape revenge subgenre, um, and right. you know, which is obvious. Like, you can't, you can't pick a more challenging, like, subgenre to yeah. engage with, and be like, here is the value for me as a as a non male person. Here is why these are entertaining for me. Here is why these are substantial to me, and they're not just like throw away they're not just exploitative and and here's where the line between exploitation and empowerment is and here's why these are valuable artifacts of study like there's a lot of gymnastics that have to go into that but I'm also I'm one of the things I'm most sort of fascinated about in in film conversation is is what I've decided is sort of like the neo-exploitation wave of of films that I think you start seeing around the early 2010s with like Jennifer's Body and American Mary and things that pull from that history like teeth. Mm-hmm. And then right. you start moving over the next 10 years where you have movies like MFA and Revenge and The Nightingale. And all of those are directed by women and all of and they're all they're all very it beautifully shot. Mm. They're emotionally poignant. You have the the people who are representative of these stories being the ones to be the authors of these stories. But then you too you have a movie like the perfection and and now i would i would put the voyeurs in that conversation too where you have men directing these films where they too seem to be rising to the occasion of our present moment in cinema while bringing in the elements of the past that are, are so sort of like gutturally satisfying about these movies but that are dangerous dangerous in such a way that they don't harmoniously fit with the way we talk about films and the way we talk about equity and justice and it's because it's the things that require a lot of work. Mm. Like it, it's things that are not necessarily, it, it's aspects of filming. It, it takes it takes the art of filmmaking and blends the science of intimacy coordination. Right. It, it, it's, it's not just like, you know, it's impulse and we show up on the day and it's animalistic and it's this and it's like that, the beauty of now and the, the beauty of like this neo-exploitation sort of set that I see is that we have the luxury of the lessons we have learned from the past to excise the things yes. that are relics yes. of those times yes. and bring forward the things that are still valuable and still satisfying and still entertaining and, again, still dangerous and still sexy, 
but they can be executed in a way right that if it if you put the work in if you make the diagrams if you make the lookbooks 100 you put in the time and consideration into execution and take it out of like it's just my artistic vision man and it's like the auteur who gets to like dictate the behavior of people in front of them there there is absolutely a way for the past and the present of these genres to sit harmoniously with one another yeah you can't yeah you want one thousand percent one thousand percent that was like a big part of our pitch too but mm -hmm. i think it's just like you can't go back to that like it's not going to happen again you can't it's done um and also like you have to be a good person to like thrive in this <laughs> business you know like it's there's no tolerance for that bullshit anymore you know so yeah, there can't be. There They're can't just like be. there. It, there can't be. There can't be marginal tolerance because marginal tolerance leads to egregious abuses of power. Exactly. Like it's it's just little chips away at an actor's humanity, at an actress's humanity, until you've moved the goalpost steadily enough to where egregious lights on their integrity are suddenly available because you've done so many little things that that big thing doesn't seem like it's a problem right, anymore. Right. And that build happens very quickly and very suddenly. Yeah, the... And that seems like a... It's a... It's, you know, I'm not normally a like, but men though. Like, that's not <laughs> normally my deal. But f male filmmakers yeah. who wish to make movies like this are in an inherently challenging position because when you're like I want to like I want to make movies with sex in them the instinctual response I have in my brain is like okay you're you're a red flag but like <laughs> that yeah, doesn't I, have to be true it's what I have to think to sort of protect myself but I know that there requires there is nuance that require required in that reaction there is conversation required in that reaction and that doesn't serve me or the other person for me to have that unchanging rigid reaction like I need to be able to interrogate what our what our allies and our counterparts are capable of because the only way things get sustainably better through change is if we're all doing it together. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know I I, I don't know um how to react to that because, you know, all sure. I know all I know is that, you know, this is what I know how to do. You know, like right. and yeah. and uh and having an empathetic look at it is just like something that comes natural to me <laughs> i don't know not I, to like toot my not. own not to toot my own home but uh hopefully <laughs> you know if 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 the 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 thing i hope for I, there's a really great article by um abby bender about mm. it's called let women make erotic thrillers mm -hmm. and it's it's awesome it's it, it talks about poison ivy and um mm -hmm. and the history of 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 women in this genre and all I hope is that if this movie is perceived as successful and more, mm -hmm. um, more, uh, more of these movies get made, I just hope that more women do make them, you know, like that it's, you know, yeah. uh, cause, cause I, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, the, 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 the interpretation of, uh, of people, uh, whatever, whatever interpretation, the, the, I don't know how to say this, but it's just like. I hope I didn't like I, I, I did. I hope I didn't put you on awkward footing with the way I expressed myself no. because it's very blunt and direct. But like that was part of why I wanted to talk to you was like I wanted to really have a good like s meaningful conversation yeah. with you about this. Well, I think what it is is like I don't I don't know. You don't know your own blind spots, right? Yeah, that completely. you don't know your own blind completely. spots and and and. But, but operating from a position of knowing that, operating mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. the position of 
well, I am going to be naive into all Mm -hmm. of these places. And so how do I, how do I call on my collaborators to help me make the proper decisions here that will, uh, that will allow those things to remain in check in a way also where I'm not telling someone else's story that I'm not, um, that I'm not, uh, you know, that I shouldn't, that, that should belong to some other filmmaker. All I know is that like this particular story just came into my brain, you know, it showed up and right. I chased it down and, and, and this is where we ended up. Um, but I also think that, you know, in a time where, I don't know, so this, this, I'm going to get like, this might be a little bit further out there, but like, I, I'm really looking forward to the day where the conversation surrounding gender mm-hmm. is like, not binary you know right yeah because i i view myself as not you know like yeah my pronouns are he him but kind Mm -hmm. of like (laughs) kind of like reluctantly so sure because you're like because you're like oh really i'm a he him (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) you know um masculinity is in a really difficult era right now really difficult proposition right now yeah totally and also like i'm not like i'm married to a woman I, i i don't identify as straight you know Mm-hmm. And so, but what does that mean with regards to my work? I don't, like, I'm really excited for my therapist to see the movie. And right. so until. That's like, tell me what the snow globe's like from inside the snow globe. Yeah, like... exactly. Exactly. So, so like when, when people are saying like, so what is it like making this movie as a man? I'm like, right. I don't know what it's like to do anything as a man because th- right. the concept of masculinity is something that I do not identify with, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Y- despite the fact that my outward appearance is what it is. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um sorry that just got like (laughs) thank you you so much for sharing that I so appreciate I so appreciate you I so appreciate you being forthcoming with that and I you know and that and like and and me as the person wanting to have this conversation like I need to interrogate my own assumptions about what I bring to you in this conversation as well and like so to be I want to be receptive to you or whoever I'm having a conversation with about like the conversation going in that direction being like okay then I need to reevaluate my stance from where I even start this conversation because that's only fair to you and whoever's on the other end well, like I, I just don't know that general I just I just don't know I don't know how to have the conversation because I feel like the the right. the the it's so much easier when you see a movie like, oh man, it was so awesome. Um, watching like Promising Young Woman, where you're like, here we go. This is this is it's all it's so easy to have that conversation because you're like, I know who this filmmaker is. I yeah. I I I'm gonna prescribe all sorts of things onto her personality. Yeah. And then when you see her when you see her in the press, you're like, Oh, Emerald's a fucking badass. And yeah. look at her. <laughs> She is, she walks the walk and talks the talk. This is representative mm-hmm. of who she is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, whereas like for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm very, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, it, 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 the high school me doesn't like if, if, if high school Mike learned that adult yeah. Mike was making erotic thrillers, like the ones mm-hmm. he is, his mind would be blown. He would be so <laughs> like. He would be so happy. I'm psyched you know? for little Mike. Oh, I'm man. psyched. <laughs> he would just be like, "Oh my god, you're you doing you're you're not just making movies, you're making those kind of movies?" Right, yeah. A lot of things had to go right. And then Yeah, wow. You know. S- tr- solid choices, but it's actually future really me. like a lot of things had to go wrong to get me to this point. Yeah, truly. honestly, yeah, <laughs> truly. Truly. Um, 
No, that is, and that's that's actually something then that I, I would like to ask about, like, because like you said, like you went on a you go on an erotic thriller deep dive, and like yeah. it's just so laden with the male gaze, as as we sort of you know pop colloquially consider that. What is your relationship then to that gaze as somebody who has like a con- like a a fluid and like kind of nebulous relationship with that like the idea of male perception? Like, is, what did you see from that that you were like, okay, I want to take that. But I want to I want to extract some of these other things. Like, what were components of that you wanted to bring forward, and then aspects where you were like, "Ooh, yeah, let's let's ditch the rest of that." I wish I could point to specific things, but I tried gotcha. to not think. I just tried to, I tried to not think about it. I think you know, like makes sense. The I think the the there's like an innate problem just in the fact mm-hmm. that, and this is like very technical, but if you show a medium shot of mm-hmm. a man. It does not contain nudity. If you show a medium shot of a woman, (laughs) it does. And so therefore, there's going to be an imbalance in in it just from the jump. Unless we're looking at everybody from the collarbones up. Exactly, exactly. But (laughs) you do have to have that kind of plan um, in place when you're shooting any sex scenes. Because even though you have these nudity writers, if an actor shows up and they're like, you know what, I'm just not feeling it today. Or or I'm I'm feeling bloated today. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. You can't say, well, well, in this contract, you you know, blah, blah, blah. You you just yeah. go, okay, oh. yeah, great. No worries. This is going to be awesome without that. And you have your plan, yeah. you know, yep. and, and you have to execute it. Um, uh, so a lot of the, the gaze, whatever perception of the gaze is on this movie, I didn't do, I didn't create in a, in a way that was conscious, I guess. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that like, I'm, and you know, I say these things out loud right now, and I just know in 10 years, if I listen to this podcast, I'm going to go like, man, you were so naive. Like, you had no idea. <laughs> like, and now well, history like the- has shown that this movie is X, Y, and Z, and, and I didn't even know it at the time, but... I just tried to And I'm best, fully you know. prepared to take my past self to account for that as well because I too would like I just constantly will I don't know what I don't know but I constantly want to be willing to say that the thing that I that that I am expressing I am open and willing to amend based on like I you know yeah. I don't want to be the like what do you mean pronouns yeah. like when I'm old, like it's like I don't just go with it why are you fucking attached to this stuff like yeah. don't, don't you have to be attached to that kind of thing like if if someone if someone says they are a something you don't need to understand you just need to say great you, yeah, you are you yeah, are yeah, the yeah. thing you say you are yeah. and it and it's it's as as a queer woman i i a pan-romantic gray asexual for yeah. for the long form of it it's i feel so angry so often that like misogyny has been allowed to like claim so much of like a definition of sexiness because it like misogyny sucks okay. and the patriarchy fucking sucks but like do I enjoy erotic thrillers that are predominantly filmed from this, like that have like this kind of regressive sense of like dirty, you know, sexy sweatiness. It's like, yeah, I feel like it comes with like self interrogation and a degree of like making peace with myself Mm. to watch a movie that includes like maybe like sexist perceptions of women and queer, like, queer villainizing of like bisexual like killer women in the 1990s it sucks to enjoy those things while knowing they come with damage to communities that they don't reflect but that they kind of stereotype or that they demonize but and that that a quadrant of sort of the the point of view of film that has given me so many things that are sexy and hot and enjoyable that I feel like I have to like 
make amends with in order to it's like fuck you guys for taking that like I you know do I do I like David Ayer's Suicide Squad no I don't is it is it sexy when Margot Robbie is like changing into her Harley Quinn suit on a tarmac yes it is and do I feel shitty about that because of like the general (laughs) point of view of that movie yes and I'm really annoyed that I have to feel (laughs) shitty about that like I didn't fuck all this up to have to put a stigma on this but now I have to I have to be like emotionally responsible for it like god damn it well I think there's I think there's I think that's a, a tricky that's a really interesting point and I think it's all about like where do we draw the line with what we're comfortable with watching and what we're not comfortable with watching. Yeah. Like for me, yeah. it's like, I don't want to wade too deep into here, but like, like uh, Sharon Stone has said that some of the shots in basic instinct are yeah. non-consensual. And so in right. in that case, I cannot watch. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I love before I knew that I before really I loved the style in mm-hmm. which he shot that interrogation scene. He shot the shit yep. out of it. But when I yep. hear that there's an image in that that is non-consensual, well, then I can't, I don't feel comfortable putting that movie on and trying to enjoy it on any level because it's a document yep. of someone's val- uh, violation, right? Yep. Um, but but uh, uh, a, an unintentional, uh, a movie that does something unintentionally, um from the time period, I feel like maybe that's where the line is, is a little bit more gray, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, like single white female, which, right. Right. Which I love. Love. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and like I, and I, I love toxic female relationship movies while also understanding that the perception of women as like, craven and scheming and like the the demonization of queer adjacent intimacy between women like that we have to turn that into psycho killers every time i love those movies and i also know that they ingrain passively or actively that these are things that we should fear in women when those are aspects of my personality that like that intimacy that fluidity it's like well yeah i'm not a fucking bad guy and i like watching these women be bad guys but now i feel like there's a whole fucking annoying thing I have saddled with that I have to destigmatize from. It's a real bitch. Yeah. Don Ruse is gay. So, so it's okay, okay for us to enjoy that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how far that goes. It is amazing how far that goes. I completely agree. But it's it's interesting now, though because then like how what is your what is your because uh, this is something I struggle with is like mm-hmm. as you know I, I, I've been trying to become less self-deprecating. This is something I'm working on. But good. As you someone, should become less self-deprecating. As someone who is like, you know, I know that my career will mm-hmm. flourish more the more I'm sort of out in the public eye, even though that's not sure. why I got into this. That's why I'm a director is because I don't have to do that. But I know that I will do better. I will be able to make more movies if if I'm a little yep. bit out front. Um, and so, um, uh, 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 it, it also just it, it's like how how outward defining does a director need to be like if you right. want your privacy like that's what this movie's mm-hmm. all about right it's about yeah, minding your own business and here i am going like oh well i have to actually be a little less pri-. like will people mm-hmm. enjoy this movie more if they know more yeah. about who i am mm-hmm. like which is such a bizarre thing for me to say because i'm you know that's and not... i know and i know it's true because of how many conversations i have with just friends of mine amongst the four it's like oh 
that actor's queer? Oh, okay, then that's fine. Right. Like, the I, where where it, where the conversation of queer baiting comes and goes, and the like it it is. It like the and I I I love that Justice Smith is in this yeah. like queer actor Justice Smith is in this and he is like to just see him there and be he has such like a resonant like attractive voice and I was like fuck yes put Justice Smith in like a sexy erotic movie yeah, right for me amazing right. and I it just I the casting the casting worked in this so well because I I, I mean it I, it has to be at least in part and credit to the fact that like you you put so ahead of time like this is what the buy in is and. There is, you know, I, I, I respect you and I wish you the best no matter what your choice is. But if we're going to go on this ride together yeah. here, you, you know, here's the, the height measurement for how tall you need to be. And <laughs> I think a, it, it really, I, especially because they're, it's a crop of young actors and this is a kind of movie we don't really have a ton of anymore. It was exciting to see young actors doing this and being like, Justice Smith, Young and Queer, Sydney Sweeney on Euphoria, Natasha Luborizzo, just rad. Like, <laughs> right, I just, right. I just yeah, so enjoy yeah. her. I, I want to see so much more from her. And it, it was like, okay, is this something a younger group of actors are they wanting to pursue it? Is this a kind of role they're wanting to see more of as an option for themselves? Like, I and I, I want to see a sort of like younger class of star be like, these movies can be made in a cooperative and safe way to where the point where like I would go, you know, you know, example actor, I have a good experience on this. I would pursue other roles in this genre of film because now I understand like, oh, I know how to do this. And I know that it can be done in a way that's not taking advantage of me. And maybe if that was a hang up that I previously had, I see now a pathway for how it can be done collaboratively and effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, with this, we were sort of, we were open-minded to what the age of the characters was going to be. And it skewed a bit younger than what I originally had in mind. But Mm. once we landed on the idea of Sydney um, being Mm -hmm. our lead, it was just like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. And, and everything sort of had to be, her world had to be built around, around, around that um, to some degree. But um yeah, I feel like the luck of the puzzle of this cast was something that I just got so lucky with. And I and, and I give <laughs> I give Amazon also a lot of credit because like okay. they you know, this movie was made this movie was made for a price. It mm-hmm. but it wasn't like crazy low budget. It was like mm-hmm. it was like at a budget level that people don't make movies anymore. And I'll see it looks beautiful. Thanks. This movie's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Elijah uh, Christian is my cinematographer and my former um, uh, uh, college roommate. And if you like his work in this, um, he also he also shot um, the Night House, which came out earlier. Oh, really? Yeah, the Night House is stunning. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and he also Elijah's shot, doing great work. Yeah, he also did um, this great. Have you seen Columbus? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. He's like wow. with with John Cho yeah. and Haley Lou Richardson. Oh yeah. my God, stunning. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 great. Yeah. Wow. That's some range. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um. No, the interiors in this movie are are beautiful, and the cinematography is. Gorgeous. Yeah, and that's also our production designer, <clears throat> um, Adam Reamer, who you know we built them on a stage. You know, it was all built. Um, I was wondering, I was like, so is this dream apartment real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, but sorry, uh, going back to the actors. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Justice was who I went out to first. Um, oh, okay. And, you know, I just admired his work. And I, I, I honestly, at the time, I was 
I mean, I don't care what sexuality the actors are. <laughs> like, I literally no. don't care. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I did care in terms of like the 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 the, the side characters. I, I I wanted to have you know if if the friend characters you know gay. I wanted to cast a gay actor. Um, Appreciate uh, that. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, so I didn't even know Justice was queer until he like introduced his boyfriend to me on the set, right, and I yeah. was like, "Oh, cool! <laughs> this is awesome!" You know, and this yeah, is like wonderful. Like this is what what a, what a cool thing. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, but they just came. It just it was one of those things that just sort of came together in this beautiful way. And we were we were really trying. We took a long time to like try to figure out the 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 um, sort of if you step stepped back. What is the mm-hmm. racial puzzle of this look like? Yeah. And then we just called on a lot of smarter people than us to help us say, like, okay, if 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 the puzzle is this, then these I things might. I love finding might... smarter people than me yeah. to help me with these things. Well, yeah, yes. I'm not the person to, to to say what's right and what's wrong. Yep. And so mm-hmm. a lot of other people were chiming in, and 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 that's you know that part of it is what led to you know Ta- Natasha, who I mm-hmm. I think should be the next next James Bond. I think she's. I mean. Um, it... <laughs> She's it's there. so good. It is there. God, she's yeah. Yeah, there. There's just there's there's something about her that just like I I saw her for the first time in uh, that Netflix show Society. Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she quickly became my absolute favorite character. And it like there were so many characters in that show, you barely sort of get time with any. But there's just something that jumps off the screen so 100%. much about her. I was like, I need to Google this person right, right now, now. Yeah. and I need to know yeah. why I'm falling in love with them because I can't really explain it, but it's happening quickly. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. she's so great. I mean, and they're all really good. Like it was just great. I've 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 had a lot of luck, you know, with all the projects <laughs> I've worked on. That's good luck. But even That's like my luck. last the last feature I made, it was like Lizzie Kaplan, Allison Brie, Martin Starr, and they're all just like lovely <laughs> wow. people, you know. So, anyway, I've been very lucky. Um, but sorry, going back to the. What, what was the original question? We were on Justice Smith. Oh, yeah. We were talking about him coming in and queerness and young actors and yeah. Sydney bringing in like a youth to Pippa that you were like, okay, this is the direction we're really going to go. Yeah. And I think it's also just like, it's kind of exciting to for an audience to see like actors who they're used to seeing in high school shows finally grow up, you know, and who yeah. they are, <laughs> you know, actually playing their age. And, and it's almost, it's a little bit surprising probably because, yeah. you know, they have to, you have to reallocate like, oh, I've always known this person as a high school person, but then you Google them and you're like, oh, they actually are the age of these characters, <laughs> you know? Well, and a thing that, a thing that made me really, like, particularly in the case of, of Sydney Sweeney, because we, we do know her so much as a, as a high school student from multiple things. Right. Um, is talking like the one of the podcasts I have is the Austerion podcast where me and my co-host the director Sam Wyman we talk about horror movies from the 2000s mm-hmm. and give them like the the criterion level like deep dive yeah, yeah, reappraisal yeah. that we know they deserve and a big like we we set them in context with the cultural moment in which they arrive and sort of unpack both things and a, a recurrent thing about that time is there is such an emphasis around that like late 90s early 2000s when sex is becoming much more forward in media like as it always kind of ratchets up ratchets up yeah, over yeah. time but there's this angel whore binary among famous women that you cannot fall on the wrong side of lest you be demonized by the press like you are you are virginal until you are impure and then at that era of time when you know there was a, a wild wild west of celebrity blogs along the lines of like Perez Hilton that existed to skewer people make fun of them like you know draw right. p- pictures of Britney Spears draw like come dripping down them Ew. in crude illustrations yes, like yes, it was yeah, that kind yeah. of there was a rampant cruelty in the in the open mainstream 
point of view of media coverage of that era that like you go back through I, I did a thread last year of yeah. like old celebrity profiles from the 2000s of young women and they are horrifying by today's well, standards I mean, and the entire first five paragraphs of Lindsay Lohan's hot girl cover story from the hot issue of Rolling Stone in the mid 2000s is about her body is about the development of her body oh. is about her boobs and where where how they're growing and how that sits in line with stars that developed like Annette Funicello like talking about oh. the legacy of bodies and young starlets and that's the first five paragraphs of the story and that was normal then I was a Rolling Stone subscriber then yeah. and that was that was you know there was a snarkiness and a glibness that was the voice voice du jour of how we talked about women then and so like when you have stars sort of breaking into the adult segment, there was there was scandal around mm. that. Like when Jessica Biel goes from seventh heaven to appearing topless on the cover of Gear magazine. That was like, wow, she's trying to assert herself as a grown-up. Mm. And words like slut being thrown around liberally. And the idea of Britney going from like, you know, the obviously baiting idea of a girl in a Catholic school girl uniform to the I'm a slave for you, right. fully oiled up and writhing on screen. Like, that was a demarcation line between, like, phases of Britney. And there had to be these sort of coming out parties or, like, coming out nightmares for women when they decided, like, I'm going to be sex forward. Like, when Christina Aguilera entered the dirty phase yeah. and it was like, wow, yeah. she's really gone wild. Now... To see a Sydney Sweeney be able to make a show like Euphoria that is yeah. very, like, intense. Yeah. And to be like, and now I am going to make a movie where I play an actual adult that's probably my exact own same age. And I'm going to make this erotic thriller. And you're going to see more of me physically than I've shown you before. That is an option that a Sydney Sweeney can exercise without there being a news cycle dedicated to... Right. It's Sydney not yeah. Sweeney right. shirking off right. her childhood and becoming a woman on screen. Right. And it feels like at the very least, like we have a long way to go, that there is at least a more merciful allowance now for girls to grow and actor young actors to grow and become adults on screen in a way that they don't have to necessarily, you know, there are career considerations, there are personal boundary considerations, but it won't necessarily be like Fuck, is every rolling is every cover story about me from now on gonna be centered around that time I took my fucking clothes off right, in a movie? Right, where it right. absolutely would have been right. in that era of the two thousands that we discuss. And I I thought it was really smartly handled by you in this movie. She's a protagonist. Mm -hmm. There's even in a, even in like sexy movies, you don't necessarily know if you're gonna see as much of the protagonist, the main lead character, as you are the other actors. Hmm. There are allowances, there are differences in handling that, and the way it is a build toward, like, it was, I was genuinely, sincerely shocked hmm. when the photo shoot scene is happening between Pippa and Seb, because I was, it, the movie had slow walked so much right. Pippa's relationship to this erotic drama that by the time like she is fully disrobed, I was like, <gasps> yeah, like it, it yeah. still it still felt like something that was off limits, right, right, and and not yeah. in a way that was like, oh no, this needs to be off limits because otherwise, no, it's the gonna movie, be like bad. it's going to be bad and scary. It's like, oh, the film this, itself this tells yeah. me this tells me about Pippa and where Pippa is now compared to where she was at the start of the story. It did not feel like, oh, Mike wants to see this actor without their clothes on. It felt like this is telling us where Pippa is in her narrative arc for who she has become 
versus who she was because that was a it, it, it felt it was like a breathless reveal right me. right well especially because the first sex scene that she's in she's in a turtleneck you know yeah <laughs> yeah and i was like and... oh okay yeah again this is the lead actor like this is there's a different yeah. sort of cartography for certain you know certain characters on set and this was and it doesn't tip at all and she's watching everybody else right disrobe. right there's right. a threesome at a certain point. We're watching Seb and Julie. They're on the kitchen countertop. Like, yeah. And it felt like something that like wasn't possible for Pippa in her own mind's eye. Right. Until suddenly, like, it was. Right. And then you as the audience member are completely disarmed, too, because the movie itself yeah. has said, you know, yeah, we've sort of, we've, we've teased it in mm-hmm. this way that intellectually you're you you are asking that question of yeah. whether it's going to happen yeah. um which is kind of gross if you think about it right yeah, like that's it, kind absolutely. of lurid the fact that i'm sitting there wondering yeah. if i'm going to see this actress without her clothes on i'm like this is that's fucking gross. what it's like, like I, to be a voyeur. i can't yeah. believe i'm sitting here doing this right yeah. now with a sense of anticipation but that is exactly the kind of anticipation that these movies exist to elicit. Right. And I like, I was so, I, that was why I was having like a screaming tweet storm meltdown when I was watching it because like I was at war with myself right, right. in watching well, this the movie hope, play that's out. The hope. That's the best thing about this genre too, right? Is like mm-hmm. when you look at Fatal Attraction, like one of my favorite things, I mean, Fatal Attraction to me is the gold standard, right? Right, and, right. And I think, I think history and the consensus would right, agree with you. Right, right. I mean, there's a little bit about, you know, Glenn Close has reservations about how the audience has perceived the mm. reshot ending, and I do think that the ending that played in Japanese cinemas is a much more poetic ending. Mm. But also, I love the Michael Myers ending too. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, but I think one of the things that this this genre does that no other genre does as deeply is that mm-hmm. Michael Douglas in Fatal Attraction cheats on his wife, totally yeah. cheats on his wife. His marriage is not bad. His marriage is <laughs> no, not bad. Not. He has a no. good marriage and he mm-hmm. cheats on his wife because the tree of decisions that leads to him cheating on his wife are so mm-hmm. perfectly calibrated that you yourself could imagine making that decision, right? Yeah, right, 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 right. And then when he starts getting punished, mm-hmm. when she starts pouring acid on his car, when she boils the pet bunny, you simultaneously uh-huh. go, yeah, that motherfucker deserves it. Yeah, And you, <laughs> you feel bad for him. You know, Uh and so what we were trying to do here is a similar thing where Mm -hmm. when she goes to sleep with him, Mm -hmm. technically she is single. She is technically single. I can I just say can yeah. I just thank you so much for that entire dinner scene with the friend where she's just like a really good friend <laughs> and she's like listen you weren't like it's not she's not like being sociopathic devil may care friend but she's like listen you were single at yeah. the time this is absolutely not your fault like who are you god like I was like oh my god I love this friend right now <laughs> right right and there <laughs> and there you. are some people that watch the movie and when the friend shows up they're like what the f-? like I don't believe what this is, she is wrong. <laughs> this girl, yeah. But anyway, but. No, I was like, I would be this friend right now. Yeah. But, but the circumstances are, you know, she is single. She yeah. went, she didn't go to the bar. I don't think she goes to the bar going to sleep with him. I think she goes no, to the bar to so. just watch. But then he sits yeah. down and their interaction and their drinking. And that is what 
allows her to then go upstairs. And then going upstairs, does she think she's going to actually sleep with him or what? She's just doing she's doing the thing that at the very first scene you meet her, she talks about wanting to do. Right? Yeah. 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 And it was it was all fun and games until it starts happening. Yeah, exactly. And so but I also hope that audiences are like, this is unhealthy. What about Julia? Like Julia just died and now she's <laughs> yeah. you know, screwing her her grieving husband, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so And he's like coercing her to take off her clothes, but she's been spying on him this entire time. Right. And he's she, definitely manipulating her, but she's definitely been violating their boundaries this entire yeah. time. And she it, knows they're, the manipulation. They're both exists. fucked up. A hundred percent. And so then when the art show happens, you have that sense of like, oh, she does she kind of deserves this, but also like, no, she doesn't. This is no, too, she this doesn't. punishment doesn't fit the crime, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> And so that's where that's where I think that like like horror movies don't have this, you know, to the same degree, because usually the the antagonist is pure evil and the protagonists are pure good. And so. Right. And that's great. But like here you get to you get to do this other thing that I think to me creates a much more active viewing experience and a much more like it, it's it's the conversation you get to have where you're like, yeah. would you have slept with him? You know, would you, would you, would you have told her, you know, how would you, would you have told her via, you know, would you have actually, like, if you went to the spa, would you tell her at the spa or would yeah, you done this yeah. passive aggressive thing where you connect to her printer, which by the way, like I can't, I've got a print, a wireless printer over here. I can't connect to this printer. No less like the one across the street. <laughs> I and that like and I will I will let you go but there is one aspect that I yeah. did want to talk to you about I've one got, more thing I've which got is plenty just... of time by the way so you're not you're... <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about the ways in which this movie gets to be so extra <laughs> because a great thing about working in this kind in genre generally and I think in this subgenre specifically yeah where there, where things get to be so high, like you said, and a style of performance we don't even see anymore, like the the melodrama of it, the possible camp of it. Like I want to talk about like the the moments where this movie just revels in like those elements of like trash, where it's like you know what, throw a hat on the hat, yeah, like let's yeah. like the wireless printer from across the street, what a flourish. The, the like the like, hey, we're hanging out for the first time, spa, yeah. and like the most like. <laughs> cobalt blue sexy spa and the sitting with like the robes just open enough like I just wanted to hear about those touches that feel so extravagant but that a genre like this welcomes those yeah. kinds of indulgences yeah I mean I think to I, I don't know how to how to because like I didn't I think the best uh how do I say this um I knew that the movie was incredibly heightened right yes yes and but that if I if I let the performances go to a heightened place, then yeah. that's no longer like the possibility for camp, I think, evaporates. And yeah, yeah, I, yeah don't, I hear you. I don't like it when when films like lean into or f films have a knowledge that what they're doing is like that. And so for me, all of it was just about trusting my instincts and like okay. literally like the spa we didn't we had a sequence that I needed to make longer, you know, like that whole okay. spa sequence needed, like in the script, it was just like, they went for coffee. And then okay. I, when we decided to, <laughs> thank yeah. God it didn't end up that way. <laughs> when we set, love when that. we set the film in Montreal, we were learn. I was trying to learn about like, what is Montreal culture like? And mm, people go to the spa, okay. like they go to coffee. It's like oh, a thing. Wow, okay. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Like this was, the, that was the one thing I had to fight for. Cause that location was very expensive. 
and I, and gorgeous. I hear that. And uh, it was gorgeous. Yeah, and it wasn't nearly as big as you think it is. Like it's actually kind of small. And uh, but oh wow, it really does sell the scale. Yeah, totally. And and also like I was walking around, I was just like Elijah's gonna have a field day in here. Um, <laughs> and so and so when we yeah when we like for so for that. I, I just sort of came across it. I wrote it into the script. It was the one thing I sort of had to go to Amazon and say like, hey, I, this uh, is going to be more expensive than them getting coffee. Yeah. But I think that this movie, the, we're in those, those we're in one location for 75% of the movie. It's a one room yeah, movie. Yeah, seriously. So like mm-hmm. anytime we come out of that location, we need to an, inject as much scope as we can because this will also yeah. help your trailer and yada, yada. And yeah. so that was, that came from, from, from just like listening to what the movie wanted to be. And mm-hmm. and trying to inject it uh, with, with all that. What was the other what was the other um, uh, example that you you mentioned? Oh, the just printer. like the like like yeah, there was the printer. There was that. There oh the amazing like let's spy with laser that's, sonic technology. No, I, I believe yeah. you, but just like the fact that you fucking put it in Yikes. here, like and I when she that was when she found the laser with the chalk dust, I was like. Oh fuck yeah! That. That's that's what a smart. Great touch yeah, that was. yeah. No, they, yeah, the, that was really the, um, And she erases the mural, which is like kind of like erasing their relationship. Yeah, you know? I was like, ooh, is this foreshadowing? But it is. <laughs> yeah. But it is. It is. Um, a, 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 I think another part of this is just like trying to like use technology as little as possible. Mm. You know, mm, like okay. even though this yeah. is a movie about Instagram and about how we get addicted to like peering into other people's lives, like like looking at films like. Like, honestly, it's going to sound crazy, but like a, the biggest influence on this film is probably Coppola's The Conversation because oh, of how okay. he it's about a man who has like this tiny sliver into this person, these strangers mm-hmm. lives and how he becomes obsessed and it sort of destroys his own life in the process. Right. Yeah. And I wanted the I wanted that sense of like, even though it's set in present day. Like, there are so many different ways. Like, she could have gotten, like, a Bluetooth microphone and planted it. Yeah. But that's yeah. not, like, exciting to shoot. You know, I want to see not a laser. I want to see the chalk dust. I want to, <laughs> you know, and, like, when he's fiddling with the knobs, you know, when he's when he's actually using his computer to, to do all of that, he has this analog yeah. rack system. So he's just twisting knobs and adjusting the EQ to, 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 uh, to do what he needs to do. So a right. lot of that stuff actually did, you know, and, yes, there's a wireless printer, but it's, like, not a text message. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. No. And I love that. You know, but instead it's a, it's a printer, you know, so it's a little bit more, you know, it's not analog, but it's, it's, it was tangible. tactile. Yeah, it's exactly, tactile. exactly. And I think maybe- well, in, in like any any movie that's gonna have like Justice Smith seems to be like composing music for commercials, and he looks like he's doing a commercial for erectile dysfunction medication. Yes, I think at a yes. certain point, like there there's there's like a let's just throw in in a, like a gag ED advertisement in the middle of him spying on his neighbors, yeah. and then we're gonna also have Sydney Sweeney say a vibrator doesn't have a soul, <laughs> and it's like any movie that can wear those things happening <laughs> is a right. movie that has my name branded all. <laughs> I am a maximalist. You, you want to know something? The ED commercial is a is is because of COVID, honestly. Because um, we shot oh. we shot the movie prior. We shot the movie in November, December, twenty nineteen, right? And then okay. and then we had to shut down post. We knew we had a pickup scene to get and a couple inserts because when we were shooting on this giant stage in Montreal, anytime we had to shoot like a pen against a you know <laughs> here we are with like a camera pointing at a piece of paper and Sydney's yeah. hand. And, like, surrounded by this giant set and, like, 120 crew. And it's just like, right, we're yeah. going to do that back in L.A. We can do that on my, yeah. like, on my <laughs> kitchen table. Um, and uh, uh, 
And so in lockdown, one of the things we had planned was Thomas's commercial was actually for paper towels. It was going to be a brawny paper towel ad oh, okay. where you saw like, you know, you saw the, um, you know, like the, the close up of like a hand, you know, wiping up like red juice. And the, yeah. the thing with the fireworks was going to be a blender, like sort of exploding all over a kitchen. And we were going <laughs> to shoot that here. But during COVID to do a blender, like that was going to be monumentally expensive. So I had to do right. stock footage. And, oh. and the only bummer is that I had this thing that happened way later in the movie when Julia spills the wine yeah. and she's talking to Seb and she wipes yeah. it up with the paper towel. Originally, we were going to have a shot of the paper towel soaking up the red like it's blood. Then she picks okay. it up, crumples it up. And when he goes, don't you feel guilty? And then that paper towel represented Thomas. <laughs> and then she throws it in the garbage. You know what I mean? Because it was like, so it was all this thing that was tied in. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't ask Amazon for even more money to do that. Right, yeah. We had to use oh. stock footage. And so with doing stock footage, I was like, what's the commercial for? And when you go through stock footage, it's just like, there's so much stock footage of seniors walking in slow motion. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and this kind of fits and it's kind of goofy, but, No, it you really know. does. It's the perfect amount of yeah, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. God. Oh, and just since you met, like, the way, the way Natasha just holds that beat, when he's like, don't you feel bad? Just, no. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh my yeah. God. Yeah. We Just we like, throat cut. We also slowed down the footage because when he picks up the wine to drink, you see her face- um, distorted through the wine glass. And so uh -huh, there's uh -huh. a little subtle visual effect there where we slowed down those frames just so you could see that distorted image. And in my mind, in my mind, I was like, this is our Criterion cover. It's, it's yeah. this. <laughs> that will never happen. But, uh, you I know. mean, th <laughs> this is the kind of movie that I choose to celebrate. So, okay. I said that was the last thing, but actually there is one but, last thing. And at, it is... Keep going. The uh the the what the the other scene that I just want to hear about yeah. is the fucking eye exam. Oh <laughs> yeah. The tension <laughs> in the eye exam scene. Oh my! When there is when that when that I don't know what that machine is called. It's but called like, a when slit it is lamp. The, a slit lamp. Yeah, oh my god! Lamp. That's yes. That's like terrifying yeah. in NSFW. <laughs> and it is like when this lamp is the only thing in between, and it just perfectly bisects the frame between Sydney and Natasha. I was like, "This is an erotically charged." Oh yeah, ophthalmologist. Oh absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, and I just thought there was something really funny about the fact that like here she is looking across like you know a hundred feet away and then here they are yeah. now they're like literally she's looking into her eyeball but into her eyeball idea yes. to do it like that to shoot it like that with all the like mm -hmm. it came from youtube asmr videos do you know really? what asmr is oh yeah, yeah yeah and so there are people that do like mock eye exams right and the way that they wow. talk the breath the little clicks the little you uh -huh, know uh -huh. the sound design i give a lot of credit to like that scene looks great but it's also Nathan, our sound designer, he found yeah, the exact yeah. clicks to like give you whatever tingles you have in the back of your neck <laughs> to help with that chargedness that, yeah. And I think that that's something moving forward. Like if I, if, if the movie gods allow me to make another movie like this, I, I want to uh -huh. inject that type of intensity into a sex scene next because it is so intense because it's really intense but all it is is just like close up close up close up close up and and it's 
and it's quiet. Like we did something also with the sound where like at the beginning of the scene, you can hear the office environment. Like you can hear people walking in the hallways. Yeah, and then as yeah. the scene comes in, it slowly drips away. So there's nothing aside from those clicks and the whirs and the uh-huh. little bits. But yeah, ASMR YouTube video. Uh, it, instantly when I was writing it, it's like, oh, this is going to be an ASMR eye exam. And I hope that <laughs> someone like posts it. I hope that it gains traction in that community because like I did it for them, you know? <laughs> Or B. Um, can I say that again? A or B. I, I want these people to find yeah. their audience. I, I want this movie to find its audience. Yeah. I want them to know that they are seen and they are they are being catered to. <laughs> exactly. No, that just like the idea too of like I just like the specificity of of like Pippa being like an ophthalmologist and the specificity of Natasha in that scene of Julia in that scene with like with the chin in the little guard and the like up against this thing that is a a preposterous looking mechanical operation and they're both so beautiful (laughs) they're both shockingly beautiful and so like the the discordance of like every detail with every other just in the architecture of it like to blend it together to make it something that is so effectively erotically charged it was like this is so hysterical on its face, right. and it is in practice working. <laughs> awesome. This is this is this is weird science, is what and this again, is. Again, I give I give so much credit to Amazon <clears throat> for allowing me to do it. You know, like this this yeah. movie should not exist in the way that it was created. <laughs> I think and yeah, they, conventional wisdom would agree with you. Yeah, and I think that the side of Amazon that can make a movie like Annette that is so mm-hmm. crazy. And for me to come in and be like, I want to do my version of an erotic thriller and it's going to have all these instinctual things that I like. This is the movie where I get to like define like I I wish it was my first film because it would be so much (laughs) easier to go like, okay, this is who I am now. And and, like this is who I am. And that's and that's because it is because this is this is representative of, I think my voice more than anything else I've ever done because everything else I've ever done I've you know I've had very great collaborations like Mm -hmm. the everything sucks it was me and Ben York Jones and it was great but it was a tv show it wasn't like my Mm -hmm. show and and save my prior film save the date was a collaboration between me and um, uh, graphic novelist Jeffrey Brown and Mm. it was I wanted to honor his work in that and really it wasn't it was like the short films that felt the most pure and here, you know, Amazon let me do this thing that I hadn't proved yet. And yeah, and they yeah. the fact they 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 allowed me to do that on this kind of scale uh, is something mm-hmm. that I just I just really, really I like so deeply appreciate because now with the next film, if I'm if someone reads something and they're like, well, how is this going to work? I can go like, well, you yeah. know, that eye exam scene like that was really <laughs> weird to read on the page. But it's going to be like yeah, a yeah. new version of that. That's you'll get it when you see it. And now that I is have now the, like that is now a, a, like a favorite example in my mind of like things that you just have to see in right, practice. Right, right. Is like sexy eye exam scene on the page. Right. Well, exactly because like there were things about everything. Uh, my the show that I worked on. Um, there were scenes that I didn't get to fully like I didn't have the time in the edit to dial in the way I had mm-hmm. had seen it in my mind and. And there are all these like little odds and ends and compromises that ultimately are fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. But um, I didn't get to have that experience of like, no, mm-hmm. I have this idea and I really want to see it through. And it's really weird and I can't explain it. But now now I have the thing that can prove to the next, you know, when, if, if again, if the movie gods are, 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 are 
allow me to do this right. again, um, you know, I can, I have the, I have the material I can point to. So, yeah. It's a great proof of yeah. concept. Thank you. <laughs> well, I just hope, I hope that they make more of them. You know, I, I, I the fact that it, Amazon is very happy with their investment. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. all I know. You know, they, they sent yeah. me, <laughs> the meetings with them are so funny because it's like a bar graph where there's like a line that goes across. There's no number on, right. the, on the line. And then there's yeah, a rectangle like, that hits I the see. line. And they're like, so this means that you hit the viewership yeah. that we, we were hoping to achieve. And it's like, okay, uh, great. If you're happy, yeah. I'm happy. Um, yeah. looks like success to me. Yeah, exactly, Sounds good. Exactly. So. Well, I, 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 I have so loved talking to you. Likewise, about this. Jordan. Thank you so much um, for spreading I, the word. I, I, of course, I will stick around and decompress you for a minute after. Yeah. But I, I just thank you yeah. for being here and having this conversation with me today. I am. This is exactly the conversation I wanted to have about this movie. <laughs> I'm so excited that like this movie, this movie exists to like as to have this conversation template around. Like I just I couldn't have had more fun oh, with it, and I awesome. couldn't have enjoyed more talking to you. About well, it, truly. Well, you helped me realize that the movie still exists, so I really yeah! appreciate. <laughs> yeah, you telling you telling other people and helping them helping them also discover the film. You know, it's yeah, it's it's been a it's been a wild ride at the end of a wild ride you know so yeah no kidding all right well that will that will conclude this bonus episode of the whole movie podcast but hopefully we get to have more conversations like this as good as this conversation (laughs) with mike moen soon uh so thanks everybody bye